Grizz Nation's favorite outfitter is the M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. And now the M Store has a brand new location in downtown Missoula. Come check out the new storefront located on the corner of Higgins and Broadway. The M Store in Missoula has been your Grizz Gear headquarters for more than 10 years, offering some of the most original University of Montana gear you'll find anywhere in the Garden City. Next time you're downtown, swing in. Come by the M Store today and wear what the Grizz wear. Or shop online at MontanaMStore.com. Montana's only daily sports talk show. Nuwana's Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! They say the storms are coming. We might get as many as seven inches here in the Missoula Valley, but uh, bring it on. I want it so that all the transplants can experience a real Montana winter, and I'm dying to go skiing this weekend as well. Welcome in. Nuanas now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here on your Thursday. Ton to get to today. We're going to talk around the Big Sky Conference uh, in hoops, some big games tonight uh, in the state of Montana on the women's side, and uh, the West Coast road trip for the men's teams for Montana and Montana State. Brooks Nuanas swings by to talk everything from LeBron James to Big Sky Conference basketball and some other stuff in between. We'll do that here in about 20 minutes. Uh, we also have uh, a preview of tonight's Lady Grizz game, the first place Sacramento State Hornets in town here uh, in Missoula down at Dahlberg Arena, tip 7 p.m. Uh, from the Adams Center. Hour number two, Carol and the Chicken Doesn't Know Sports will swing by for some laughs. And uh, we also have our good buddy Blake Hempstead. He's one of the uh, aficionados when it comes to small school, high school sports here in the state of Montana. He'll give us a, uh, a whole roundup of what's going on uh, in the smaller classifications of high school sports, specifically Class B boys and girls basketball. Uh, so that should be fun as well. We get things started. Got a couple guests in studio. We've done this every year I've been at ESPN Radio. These guys have been doing this fundraiser uh, for the last 11 years. Very cool. Fire on Ice, uh, a a matchup between the uh, Wildland Firefighters and the Missoula Fire Department. And uh, a great uh, evening, to be sure, down at the Glacier Ice Rink. So, uh, Brett from the Missoula Fire Department and Rogue from the Wildland Fire uh, Team are here in studio with us. We'll get to that here uh, in just a second as well. It's your show outlook presented by Brett Wahlberg and the Wahlberg Team. Wahlberg Team, the official realtors of Grizz Athletics. Any and all real estate questions you might have in Western Montana, give Brent and his team a call today. If you want to be a part of the show, 406-888-1029. Call us or text us. Either one works. And... Uh, we're happy to hear from me, no matter how you're uh, getting a hold of us or why you're getting a hold of us. Uh, keep those inquiries coming. That text line is awesome. 406-888-1029. All guests will join us via the Ragich Brothers RV phone line. Uh, what's up, guys? How you guys doing? Doing good. How are Pretty you? Pretty good. How are you? Yeah, good. Uh, first and foremost, um, I carried, if you're watching on TV, what, what is this, a Pulaski? Did I got that right? Yep, I carried this in. This is like sort of the pseudo trophy for fire on ice. And uh, these guys, were they were already talking some smack. So, uh, fire on ice coming back down uh, to the Glacier Ice Rink. Uh, and uh, let's see, February 4th is uh, when this fundraiser occurs. But uh, what, Brett, you were saying last year, this is the first time that the the, uh, the Missoula Fire Department's gotten swept in, uh, in quite some time? Yeah, actually, it's the first time we've been swept, period. <laughs> Ever. In, 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 the, in the previous 10 seasons or 10 games that we've had, which is about a total of 18 games. The previous 10 years, we've at least won one game of the two. But wow. last year, last year, we lost them both. First time ever. Well, uh, the competition is a part of this, but it's, it's sort of the secondary part of this because this is also uh, to raise money for great cause. So, I mean, just tell people about that. I mean, either one of you can can tell people about this. I mean, how does this help out what you guys do? Yep, so this year we're going to be uh, splitting the proceeds uh, between the Wildland Firefighter Foundation as well as the Missoula Benevolent Association. And uh, we're going to be having an auction, silent auction, uh, raffle, 50-50. 
bottomless beer mugs. Uh, wow, Chuck that sounds Puck. dangerous. Yeah, Chuck a Puck. Yeah. So people, it's free admission, right? So all the money you guys are raising are through the auction, through the beer, all that sort of stuff, right? Yep. yep. Always been free admission, always will be. Oh, that, that's awesome. So uh, this, again, is a Saturday, February 4th. So that's not this Saturday. That's next Saturday. Fire on Ice. It's a charity hockey competition between the Missoula Fire Department and the Wildland Firefighters from around the area down there at Glacier Ice Rink. Uh, tell me about the urban interface. I mean, is, is that something different? Or is that this is exactly what we're talking about here? Uh, that's just the name of the game. Sure. Okay. It, 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 in the city where we live, I mean, it, it you kind of push into the wildland area, so sure, that's right, called right. the wildland urban interface, and we kind of made a pun at the interface off. So. Uh, uh, yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, uh, you got trophies, you got all this. Uh, is this? Uh, I know you guys both play in this. Is this uh, hard to get prepared for, like from a physical standpoint? Uh, it's not too bad. I think most of the skaters um, that play in the games uh, both play league here right, in town at right. Glacier Ice Rink. And the, and the Glacier Ice Rink Men's League is, like, super competitive, so you oh, guys are yeah. playing a lot of hockey. <laughs> yep, yep. I think there's probably around 800 people that play in the league here <laughs> which in town. Is, which is crazy, man. Yeah. I think they say it's one of the biggest uh, men's leagues in the in the country, right? Like, yeah. per capita? Yeah, all, not even per capita. Total. Just, just from, from what I've heard, it's the total number of adult registrations is, you know, top 25 in the country. Which is, which is awesome. Insane for a town this size. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, so, I know so many guys that play in it that are either firefighters like you guys or railroad guys. Why is it that those kind of guys are the ones that are t- sort of gravitating towards hockey? I think it's just the camaraderie, the team aspect, bringing everybody together, yeah. hanging out before and after the game, talking. Yeah, um, yeah it's just a lot of fun. Fire on ice uh, down at the Glacier Ice Rink, uh, February 4th. Uh, puck drops at 6 p.m., and uh, you can watch. So two games, is that how this is going to work again? Yep, two games. First game starts at 6, and depending on how long it lasts, the second game will usually start around 7.30. And, yeah, so you get two games. One, you know, is as our other game co-founder, Chris Kovach, says, uh, one game of mediocre hockey and then another game of a little bit better than <laughs> mediocre hockey. <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, just in terms of these organizations you guys are raising money for, I mean, just tell people how that can help out. I mean, start with you, Rogue. I mean, how, how, what sort of stuff does this go toward in terms of helping out the, the wildland firefighters? Um, so, you know, uh, families of, uh, you know, injured firefighters, um, just, uh, you know, if anybody needs support um, around the country, um, doesn't matter who you work for, uh, federal firefighters, state firefighters, um, they do, they give out a lot of help to everybody around the country. So it, it means a lot to have everybody come out and support the foundation. It's important. Uh, how about uh, just for the Missoula Fire Department? Yeah, uh, we're raising, our proceeds are going to the Missoula Firefighters Local 271 Benevolent Fund, which is kind of our department's general charity fund. So uh, it provides sco- some scholarships and it's basically just a general fund. So anybody that comes in asking for a little assistance from the fire department, it can come out of there. So it, it basically, we don't have it tasked with any one thing, so we can help out a lot of different causes for anybody that comes in. Well, super cool. I uh, One of our good, good friends, one of our contributors here, Justin Angle, he uh, has a variety of podcasts, but he did a podcast called Fireline, and it was all about wildland fire, specifically here in Montana. It won an Edward R. Murrow Award, and it was, it was awesome. I mean, even as somebody that uh, dabbled in wildland firefighting when I was in college, I learned so much from it, too. But, I mean, it's a real part of our lives here in Montana. And so, I mean, this is an awesome cause only because – we need you guys really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, what what else in terms of, uh, as far as the silent auction goes, what kind of stuff are you guys uh, auctioning off? Uh, it Honestly, a lot of times we don't know until it shows up. Some people say, oh, yeah, I'm making this outdoor fireplace. Or, you know, a lot of this stuff is things the guys that are playing make. Sure, they're right. handy. Sometimes they have spare time in the off-season or, you know, if we're not working and it's a little side hustle project, you know, we'll bring that in and see if we can auction that off. And and that's where most of that comes from. We get a couple of donations from businesses, but I'd say for the most part, a lot of it is is crafted goods that our guys that play make. Super cool. Well, how's the matchup looking this year then? If you guys swept last year, is this uh, uh, you guys looking for revenge on the on the um, fire department side? Well, yeah, obviously we want to. <laughs> we, we we don't like seeing our trophy be in another place, but 
because these are traveling trophies. So if we don't have them, if we don't win, we don't have them for a year. Totally. And so I haven't seen these for a year, and it'd be nice to put them back in our trophy case for sure. <laughs> and you guys are probably pretty hungry to keep it, our huh, Oh, absolutely. Yep, we got a lot of returnees this year. Um, already texting me; they're pretty hungry to. Uh, get both W's again this year, so we'll see what Don't happens. like the sound of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not this Saturday, but next Saturday, February 4th, Fire on Ice returns the 11th annual edition and uh, raising money uh, for the Missoula Fire Department, the uh, Wildland Firefighters, Fired Up for Kids, as well as the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. Uh, go show out for these guys. It's free admission. It's going to be a fun night. I mean, what else do I need to tell you besides bottomless beer mugs and 50-50 tickets? That sounds like a great night in itself, let alone watching some above, uh, just a little bit slightly better than mediocre hockey. Sounds, <laughs> sounds pretty good to me. A- anything else that people need to know about this from you guys? Just like to thank our sponsors, the Missoula Chevrolet Company here in town, uh, Big Sky Brewing as well. Um, those guys throw a lot of support our way, allow us to play the game and, and raise some money for these two uh, foundations. Well, it should be a fun night, Glacier Ice Rink. Uh, there's a couple. There's all sorts of stuff going on at Glacier Ice Rink. So here's the scoop. They got Missoula's Talent on Ice on fr- this Friday. That's tomorrow. And then you got the Cat Grizz, Grizz Cat, whatever you want to call it, rivalry game Friday night, uh, February uh, 3rd. The night before, these guys take the ice, and then they got fire on ice on February 4th. So a lot of good and fun and also worthwhile causes coming up uh, down there uh, at the Glacier Ice Rink. Uh, Guys, thanks for swinging by. This is fun. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Go check this out. This will be a great fundraiser for these guys, but also be an entertaining night. And uh, we'll remind you about it uh, throughout the rest of this week and into next week as well. Uh, Let's talk some big sky hoops. Brooks Nuana, SkylineSportsMT.com, swings by. We'll do that next. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. College Athletics is a fundamental part of the fabric of our communities in Montana, and it's the stories of these young men and women that drive our passion at Skyline Sports. Coulter Nuwana is here. In 2015, my brother Brooks and I founded SkylineSportsMT.com. As a lifelong athlete, Brooks has an elite knowledge of football with a deep perspective with his time spent playing safety for the Montana Grizz football team, while I won a collection of sports writing awards, including 2010 Washington Sports Writer of the Year during my time in newspapers. Together, we can offer you the best sports journalism in the state with crisp writing, unbiased reporting, cutting-edge photography, and a grassroots feel that belies the corporate takeover of modern media this day and age. As Montana natives, we have a deep historical knowledge of the fiercest rivalry in the West. We share a combined 22 years' experience involved in the Big Sky Conference. That experience gives us unparalleled knowledge of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics. If you'd like to experience this with us, visit SkylineSportsMT.com and subscribe for only $8 a month or $90 a year. SkylineSportsMT.com. Every day, every season. ESPN Radio. Happy Thursday. Welcome back. Thanks so much for kicking it with us. It's actually become almost cliche and in some ways tiresome, the now low-hanging fruit that is the talk radio debate, LeBron James or Michael Jordan. But it's interesting because uh, just in terms of longevity, I thought that one of the most unbreakable records in professional sports was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's 38,000-and-something points uh, that he scored during his NBA career. I have long held that I think that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is somehow one of the most underrated players in the history of the NBA. Even though most people would say he's like one of the 10 or 12 best players, he's still somehow underrated. I don't know how the guy that was a six-time MVP and a six-time champion and the all-time leading scorer in the history of the league and like a 20-time All-Star, and oh, by the way, the single greatest college basketball player in the history of college basketball uh, is still is not considered the GOAT. That's a different story for a different day. But here we are, and LeBron James is uh, 224 points away from breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time scoring record. Uh, Brooks Nuanez joins us here on Nuanez Now for a wide-ranging conversation about uh, all things sports, uh, Montana-oriented and otherwise. But uh, you and I are both in the same camp in terms of our affinity uh, for the king, LeBron James. Uh, but it's still sort of amazing that he's gotten to this point, right? Like, you project him 20 years ago as being able to reach this point. Now he's, like, almost there. The craziest part about it is when Carl Malone was, like, kind of knocking on the door or whatever, 
Carl Malone was washed. He's playing for the Lakers, and he was like the sixth best player on the team. LeBron James is, is, I believe, leading the league in scoring or very close to it. He's averaging 30 points per game. He's only done that twice in his whole career. I know the Lakers aren't very good, but uh, pretty crazy. that You know, you can project something to happen, and now here it is about to happen. You can't project this. This, right. is, this is not what someone's projection is. This is not on the... On the uh, 24-7 sports uh, scout, right? This isn't on uh, the five-star recruiting ranking um, on the internet. That's not how this works. Um, but to add to the legacy of someone like LeBron James at this point, not projecting then, but now actually evaluating now, is very, very challenging to do. At this point, what else could he do besides this one thing? Um, it is the last check, bo- you know, box to check in the argument and or career of the greatest basketball player to ever live. I love... Th- these little, you know, you can always within sports, especially basketball and the greatest of all time, you can always pose your argument with constructs that make you inevitably right. Sure. Michael Jordan's construct of being the greatest winner of all time is just the, it doesn't work because Bill Russell's the greatest winner of all time. Right. So the fiercest competitor of all time in Michael yep. Jordan, and that becomes a little bit more of, you know, eye of the beholder. Sure. But if you look at the breadth of LeBron James' accomplishments, both as evaluating it now and the projections and the fame of what we always talk about, Michael Jordan got cut from his high school basketball team. Well, he made JV. He just didn't make varsity as a freshman. As a freshman. He didn't right. get cut. But but still, you know, he played three years of college. He wasn't a starter as a freshman full-time at North Carolina. So his rise um, to the mountaintop was a little bit different than someone like LeBron James, who I think has. And I don't think that this is an argument, Coulter. Would you agree with me that his greatest accomplishment is been not only living up to the hype, but surpassing it with right. zero, not one single drop of controversy in the That's most, right. in the, in the most um, influential, inflammatory generation of all time? I mean, I just got done reading Jeff Benedict and Armin Katea's uh, unbelievably interesting book about Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, I think you could argue, is one of the great prodigies in human history. And a guy that was sort of ordained by the people who made him into the... He was, he was gifted from birth and then ordained by his parents to become a transcendent, world-changing, basically... Uh, more than even an athlete, a world-changing person. And he didn't quite live up to that, but he changed his world for sure, the world of golf, and he changed the sporting world in America for sure as well. But then to watch his fall from grace, that's almost always what's associated with the story, right? The people that are too good to be true are never too good to be true. They always have the massive fall. Even if it's experiencing tragedy in your personal life, that is not your fault whatsoever, uh, like Michael Jordan when his father was murdered. Um, but, I mean, pretty much every iconic, transcendent character in the world of sports and entertainment that we've seen, especially since the hyper-exposure the hyper machine started in the early 1980s, they've all had a fall from grace. Every single one of them, except LeBron James. That's the craziest part. I mean, the only other high school basketball player I could ever think of uh, that's been on the cover of Sports Illustrated is Imani Bates. His story is not done. He, but he's at Eastern Michigan. He's already fallen out at Memphis, and he's at Eastern Michigan. And who knows what happens? Whatever. For LeBron James to be put on a pedestal like he was, I mean, for people that aren't old enough or weren't paying attention, when he was at St. Vincent St. Mary's and they started playing. High school basketball games on primetime ESPN television. Changed my life. It changed the world is what it did. I mean, that was a completely unheard of thing. And it's not as if it just opened a floodgate. That doesn't happen still. That was a one moment in time. So to have that sort of exposure and then become this player, is it's unbelievable. It really is. Yeah, but it's unbelievable. <clears throat> I, you know, I'd argue it till, you know, I'm blue in the face and, and, in, in any in any sport, Coulter, is that I think LeBron James is the greatest athlete to ever live. I think he has social impacts that are unmatched for his generation. There were generations in the 50s, 60s, and 70s that had some, you know, that really influenced some social change and some uprise to really bring attention to things that were important in this country. LeBron James has done that, but not at his 
not at his down spot, not at his peak, not after his career. While he has the most to lose, he's put the most on the line. Yeah. He's put all the money on the line. He's put all of his reputation on the line. He's never sacrificed his family for a single moment of it. He's one of the greatest fathers in sports history. Married his high school sweetheart. I could go on forever. He he continued to 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 transcend and change what shoe contracts look like in the NBA. He carried the legacy of Michael Jordan into another shoe contract, into right. now what guys like Kevin Durant and Giannis Antetokounmpo and the formerly known Kyrie Irving were all making more money in the shoe game than they were playing basketball. And that's not because of Michael Jordan. That's because LeBron James proved you could do it again. Kobe tried it. Kevin Durant tried it. Or, uh, Kevin Garnett tried it. Those guys couldn't do the shoe game. LeBron James did that. That's a side piece to also being the greatest player of all time. I told you that you can always build constructs to make your own argument, right? Sure. I think it's just so easy in basketball to say that there has been four or five generations there was a generation right before Bill Russell. Sure. And but let's call Bill Russell's kind of like the beginning, kind of the first of the generations in the in the late fifties, early sixties, or yeah. all through the sixties. Yeah. So you have the sixties, so like maybe nineteen seventy two, then you have like seventy two to like eighty five, then you have eighty five to like two thousand, yep. and then two thousand to where we're at now. That's five generations. There's five of the greatest players in each one of those generations, and they can all stand alone. It's a great great point. Brooks Nuanas here on Nuanas Now, uh, ESPN Radio, and I think that. Um, the, other, the other two parts worth mentioning about Le- LeBron James is one, he also was on the forefront of enduring the monster that is overexposure. Steph Curry is sort of in the same vein as well. Because they become so popular, then they become hated at the same time. This happened to bands in the 90s all the time. It happens to every phone is famous. Right. And like you'd be Hootie and the Blowfish and you'd put out two sweet albums and everybody thought you were annoying because they had to hear your songs on the radio too much. That happened over and over and over again with bands in the 90s. LeBron also has had to do this. He has all sorts of haters. I mean... They've created an entire arm of the sports media world to hate on LeBron James because that's what drives. I mean, the the Michael Jordan versus LeBron James has been the one of the three primary talk radio segments of the last 20 years, constantly on repeat forever. And so they've made an entire industry about this guy. And so I think his endurance of all of that is is uh, unbelievable as well. Uh, but I think that more than anything, for as awesome and great as LeBron James has been during his career, when he's done and he moves on to the next phase of his life, but then in 20 or 30 years when we have a retrospective view of what this last 20 years has been like, then I think we're going to have unbelievable reverence for what LeBron James did because I think that he'll become this person that has... It, when it's retrospective, there will be people will actually finally realize, wow, we can use this as a blueprint on how to teach young people how to succeed in the overexposed era. Absolutely. And the overexposure, Coulter, Steph Curry is someone who grew up, he's younger than LeBron. He grew up with a piece of it. There was a part of it that he was already getting used to. LeBron was a grown man before it ever happened. So he's like what you want to call the beginning of a finished product. And then the barrage comes and he had to learn while being in the spotlight, learn how to deal with it. And he did it flawlessly. And he's absolutely matured every single point of his career as a teammate, as a leader. Um, You know, there was points where he was the most physically dominant athlete to ever play basketball in 2012, 13, 14, those Miami Heat years. He was the most physically dominant player, um, or most physically gifted player, maybe not most dominant. We could talk about Shaq and Wilt, but the most physically well I mean, he's Carl Malone's size, and he's got a point guard handle. That's pretty pretty ridiculous. I mean, it it is Miami prime. The dude's like 6'9", 270. 275, 280, (laughs) yeah. People say he weighs 300 at times. Regardless, you could talk about someone like Magic Johnson. Is Magic Johnson a top 10 player of all time? I think so. If Magic Johnson finished his career with the style of play he has, which is how LeBron plays as the all-time leading scorer in the NBA, I think Magic Johnson would have quite the resume. That's the thing about this this scoring thing, too, is it shows you how much LeBron James has been more... He has never prioritized being a scorer. He's been a score-first guy for four years of his 22-year career. Right. He, there was the year in Cleveland where they had nothing. His first two years, he had to score. Oh, yeah, and then the, he had the like his, his peak first time around Cleveland year when they beat Detroit in the series where he scored all the points. That year, I think, was his highest scoring average. I think he averaged like 30 four points a game that year because they had nobody else. But I think it just shows you that, I mean, LeBron James has been 26, seven and seven by choice. 27, seven, seven. It's <laughs> called the LeBron James yeah, by choice. Uh, that's exactly what he's been doing intentionally. Brooks new uh, here on ESPN radio, talking all things uh, sports. Grizz coaching news. 
Um, we expected coaching turnover on Bobby Houck's staff. Uh, we expected it on offense. Uh, but now the first piece of news that's out is uh, they're looking for a couple new defensive coaches. Kent Bear, 50 years in college football, uh, has uh, moved on. Uh, citing personal reasons, and Barry Sachs, 42 years as a defensive line coach in college football, has retired. And so uh, Montana looking for a new D.C. and a new D-line coach. Um, thoughts on that, but also what, is, what do you think of just moving forward? Because this Grizz scheme, it's unique, it's unorthodox. Do they need to stick with it because of the personnel and the, the training within the program, or do you think they need to move on and get another defensive scheme? What do you think of just the overturn here and the the potential for change for the Grizz football defense? Well, there's a lot to unpack there. And we have, you know, this is a story that's going to last for the next five or six months, depending on who comes in, who's hired. You know, one quick note is we've known about these two coaches leaving for a long time. That's right. Um, I mean, it's been months. You sure. Know, it's been during the season. Right. Before the playoffs started, we knew those guys were both out. That's not reporting that here nor there. That was just, and it's not a surprise. They both, that's right. they've been coaching football culture for 100 years. That's right. And that's exactly why we didn't report it. We knew that, you know, Coach Sachs had his house on the market it, and all this sort of stuff. We didn't report it because those guys get to say when they want the news to be absolutely. out Absolutely. That's fair. If you were on a retire after 50 years, or I, mean, I think Ken Bear might actually give it one more run in the power of five, but that's a, a complete aside uh, just as an analyst or something like that. Cause why wouldn't you? Right. Uh, but, but Barry Sachs, I knew that he wanted to retire. And so we kind of just waited to see, uh, just to let him make that choice himself. Anyways. Absolutely. So the, the, the couple things I will state in, in, you know, a little bit of brevity is that I think that you have to likely go in a different direction with scheme, because if you don't speak it and see it, fluently. Yeah. I don't know. It's too complicated just to be able to call that in game and learn it within a one off season. There's not a lot of guys out there running that. Of course there are plenty. We're talking there's how many division one programs now? 180? Uh, I mean more two four there's a lot there's guys out there that are running this that know this. But are they totally. available on the market? Do they have connections to Montana? I don't think so. Might well, maybe not. My biggest question is well I guess my biggest uh point is that this isn't Kent Bear's defense either, though. Kent Bear was not running the three-three-five stack when he was at Washington or Notre Dame or Stanford or anything like that. He learned it from Bobby Houck. It's Bobby Houck's defense. He brought it from San Diego State as uh, extension of Rocky Long. Right, exactly. But I understand that concept. But to to be a play caller is different than someone than your coach, your now boss passing it along to you. Right. You just said that Kent Baird didn't run this at Stanford and Notre Dame. I bet you he ran some pretty good <laughs> stuff, though, right? You know, probably right. some decent stuff. Totally. Um, I understand the Rocky Long connection at San Diego, San Diego State. That doesn't mean anything to me as far as this scheme is it's live or die, and I think that the, the program as a whole would likely – at least from an external point of view, hope for more stability than running the complete Casino Royale at all times. Are you going to get Patrick O'Connell? Are you going to get Robbie Houck? Are you going to get these guys that Dante are just Olson. on repeat, on repeat? I mean, you hope you can, Coulter, but I think that there are schemes that have a little bit more sound in nature. Not that the scheme isn't sound when it's run correctly, but they have lost multiple games in the last three years due to scheme, not personnel. Yeah, that's right. No, it's now ESPN Radio. That's the most interesting part is that, you know, I think that they ran, they've been running the three three five stack for a variety of reasons. One, the personnel that they inherited when they first got to Montana. Two, the personnel that they knew they had in the program that they wanted to highlight. Three, because Bobby Houck has often talked about how it's a lot easier to recruit to because you can get more safety and linebacker body types at the FCS level than D lineman body types. But I also then don't necessarily know if I buy into any of that. And I also look at the personnel that they have currently in the program. And while some of it they is is boosted up by the three three five, other p- players are, are are having to fit into a box they don't necessarily fit in. Like for example, their defensive ends Kill Edwards and Jacob McGowan are better 4-3 defensive ends or 3-4 defensive ends than they are in this 3-3-5. You know what I'm saying? Tyler Flink and Levi Janikaro are better linebackers, middle linebackers in a 4-3 than they are in a 3-3-5. Right. And, uh, you know, we we debated this when Montana State did a scheme change, uh, basically within the scope of a coaching change. We were a little bit skeptical. Uh, and... After seeing them do it for one set of spring drills, then we weren't skeptical anymore. Well, it's because, I mean, they are able to find defensive linemen in the FCS, along with every other team that the Grizz play. So I I, I don't see that being the issue. Um, 
Does this make sense to you when I say this, Coulter? The Grizz 335 defense, if it attacks your weaknesses, if you think it's going to be a handful for you as an opposing offense, right. you are done for. You're screwed. Right, right. If you think that you have advantages against the 335 defense and that you go into that game no matter where it's played, confident, it is not a sound enough scheme to be completely flawless. It takes a stroke of really, really good talent. I also think the, the one part that the scheme is lacking, too, is that they just don't have any personnel groups, and that's part of the reason why they were able to get exploited by teams that could attack either the middle of the defense or get the, the guys out of the gap. There's nothing different about it. It's the yeah. same every play, and yeah. if you have packages put in place, you can attack it. Well, it's now ESPN Radio, SWX by Television, and the ESPN MT app. Brooks Duana is joining us here on your Thursday. Uh, last couple things for you. Uh, we are almost to the midpoint of the uh, conference season. I guess we're eight games into the conference season for Big Sky Conference basketball. Uh, they're playing 18 conference games now because we got 10 teams in the league. It's always a moving target. We haven't had the exact same number of basketball teams in the league. Uh, I don't think one time in the last eight years. It's always been plus one, minus one, plus one, whatever. <laughs> but regardless, uh, more importantly, we are uh, now... 41 days from the championship day of, of Boise. So uh, what's your evaluation of the leagues? I think that, uh, I guess to start with the women's leagues, what, what do you think of the women's league? I think it uh, it's interesting to see some of the, the teams with the second-year head coaches on the come-up. I mean, you got Sac State battling for first place. Eastern Washington's got a better record than Montana, Idaho, or Idaho State. I didn't really see that coming. Oof. And Portland State also has four conference victories. That's more than Idaho State or Idaho. So uh, Montana State up towards the top. That's one of the things we did predict. A lot of the other stuff is maybe a little bit unpredictable in the Big Sky Women's League. Yeah, I think it's going to be how I saw it. But again, Colter, you know me. I'm a women's basketball aficionado. No, one, no one knows the Women's League like I do. <laughs> Um, I get to spend a lot of time. I don't say that facetiously. I say that wholeheartedly. I really, really enjoy Big Sky Conference women's basketball. Me too. It's a very high level, higher level than the men's side. Well, that's the biggest point that we got to make is that the the winner of this year's men's league is is going 16th seed. And the winner of this year's women's league is probably going to be in the mix for a 12 seed. And so that's it's a it's a stark difference. Yeah, and even the 13 is different. Um, yeah, Way the, different. The men's league is like is is solidly a 16 league, uh, 16 seed. Like cannot cannot do anything from this point going forward to change that. Right. Um, these teams were you know you're talking about teams out of 355 teams that are in the low 320s in in you know like national rankings. Totally. Um, the women's league is you have a bunch of teams in that mid 120s, 140, 170. Um, so the women's league, I think kind of how I saw it in the beginning of the year. I thought that Sac State was going to have a really interesting um, season. Who knows what the record's like, but they're going to be tough in the Big Sky Tournament. Yeah. Um, with Natabo, um, I think, how do I say her first name? Is Isnell Natabo. Isnell Natabo. Um, she's all of 6'4", Coulter. She is a... Probably 6'5", really. She is athletic as it gets. She's put together, uh, physically fit, and can run the court. I mean, there's no one that can really mess with her in the women's league. So I loved Sac State as just monitor it. Who knows what the regular season looks like. Yeah. I love Lori Payne at Northern Arizona. I think she's done such a good job. Haber native, you know, uh, star at Washington State. Everything about her program I've enjoyed. And then in the in the kind of the classic traditional powers of Idaho, Idaho State, Montana, Montana State, I thought Montana State would be good. I thought that Idaho State has a chance. You never know. I was really unsure about Idaho. Both, it seems, Idaho has, has been, you know, wavering a little bit more, like kind of sit around 500. We'll see where they finish the, uh, in the conference season. Season. Idaho State will be a tough out no matter when, where, when or where they play. They're down in talent this year. Montana State, very similar to what we've seen, maybe not quite as much horsepower at the very top end. Darian White still a, you know, a dominant guard. We saw that this weekend when they played in Missoula against the Lady Grizz. And the Lady Grizz are still trying to find their footing. And that was exactly kind of how I saw it before the season. They go with their seniors, and both of their seniors have been up and down. At least the two important, most like dynamic scorers in Sammy Fatkin and Carmen G. Feller both have been up and down at times, and that honestly, Coulter, does not totally surprise me. Um, so the Lady Grizz kind of are sitting where I expected them to. The league as a whole, again, with Portland State and Eastern Washington um, on, on the uprise, more similar than I thought it would be at the end. No, I was out ESPN Radio. How about uh, on the men's side? I know you and I, uh, sometimes we get our, uh, our uh, how, how do you say? We are both uh, inherently naturally a little bit cynical when it comes to analyzing sports, but also that's because we have perspective from being able to have a, a wide breadth of seeing the sports, particularly the Big Sky Conference. The men's league, to me, 
comes down to two things. One, there's hardly anybody in the league that has any semblance of roster continuity, and the two teams that have any semblance of roster continuity are the two teams at the top, Eastern Washington and Montana State. And more than that, I think that if you were to put the top 20 players in the league right now up against the top 20 players from the last 20 years, there's hardly any truly like all-time great or even like decade-long great players in, in the league right now. And I think part of that is their unfamiliarity with the league and their constant you know moving pro- around programs and stuff like that. Uh, the, the men's league is down. I think that the one thing I would argue with you in terms of like solidly for sure getting the 16 seed is if the Cats win it because the Cats have been there before. They have a coach that's been there before. That sometimes caters to having a little bit elevated experience. But you're right. In terms of the net rankings and the Ken Palm and all this stuff, a lot of the teams in this league are towards the bottom of the country, and so that doesn't help anybody no matter uh, – even if your better teams are winning the games. Yeah, the men's league is down. Um I think it has a chance to come back. You know, there's some good players in the league, but there's also some guys that are, you know, top 10 players that, as you mentioned, Colt, they're in a lot of other years would would definitely not be. They'd be the third best player on those teams. Um, you know, you think about, especially at Montana, at Montana State and Eastern Washington. I mean, they've had some stars, man, some absolute sure. stars. They've been some amazing teams. There's guys from Eastern Washington teams when we started Skyline Sports in 2014 and 15 that are still playing professionally. For sure. Jake uh, Wiley. Tyler Harvey, Bogdan Blizniak, Vakey Joyce. I mean, yeah. those guys are all still playing pro basketball. Felix Van Off, all of them. Did you know Felix Van Off is on The Bachelor Australia? I saw that. He's a, <laughs> he's a handsome guy. We we played a lot of cards in Reno, so yeah, I Dude. think very fondly of Felix Van Off. Let me finish. Let me finish. Yeah, the men's league is down. Montana State is still. You know, wears the crown, carries the crown, and until they're dethroned, I think that they are by far the best team. There are some scores. There's some fun little. You know two-player combos on a lot of the different teams, but I still think Montana State's going to run away with it. Uh, we'll see how Eastern develops, but I think that, I think that you know, if Montana and Weber aren't going to contest, which we'll see. I mean, Weber's played well. Dylan Jones has lighted up, likely the MVP in the league. Another Big Sky Player of the Week this year, uh, this week, averaging 20 and 14 over the weekend. Um, so Weber has a chance, but otherwise I still think Montana State is, um, you know, the cream of the crop. He's Brooks Nuanas, and guess what? We get him twice this week. He'll be back tomorrow on your Friday to talk all things betting lines. Thanks for being here, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Bobcat fans, support both your favorite team and Montana State students. When you shop at the student and faculty-owned MSU Bookstore, your purchase lowers the price of course materials for Montana State students. Montana State is in the midst of a historic year, and the MSU Bookstore has everything you need, from jerseys to garments, t-shirts to sweatshirts. You can also find the vast selection of Bobcat gear online by visiting msubookstore.org. Help students excel and look your best in blue and gold. The MSU Bookstore is your Bobcat gear headquarters. ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I roll up to work the other day uh, to our office here at Missoula Broadcasting Company, and I uh, get out of my car, and uh, Robert Chase, who is the longtime program director at the Trail, 103.3, he just looks at me and he says, did you get it? Have you listened to it? And I was like, what do you mean? What are you talking to about? And he was like, the new Dave Matthews album. I figured you'd have it delivered straight to your house, hot off the presses. And I was like, well, you know, I love me some DMB, but I uh, don't have it fully delivered yet. But there you go. It's Dave Matthews' new single, Mad Man's Eyes. It sounds very much like tracks from... Before these crowded streets, their Grammy award-winning album in the late 90s. So we'll see. If it turns out to be like that album, I'm here for it. That sounds pretty awesome. Nuanas now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. It's time now for our Garden City Spotlight. It's presented in part by Missoula Electric Co-op. Missoula Electric Co-op has been proudly serving safe, affordable, and reliable energy to our members since 1936. So tonight here in the Garden City... We got a first-place squad coming to town. It's funny because when you do, like, schedule analysis and stuff, I'm not sure that anybody would have circled 
uh, Thursday, January 26th as the day that you would get to see the team that's in first place in the Big Sky Conference in women's basketball. But that's the facts because Sacramento State is off to a 6-1 and start in league play. They are 15-3 and overall. And not only do they sit alone in first place in the Big Sky women's standings, but they also are the most successful at this point in the season of the five Big Sky Conference women's basketball teams that have second-year head coaches. That group also includes the Lady Grizz. That group also includes Portland State, who will be in Missoula on Saturday. And uh, it also includes uh, Eastern Washington and Northern Colorado. And that that's a really interesting fold, that you have those five squads, Sac State, Montana, Eastern, Portland State, and Northern Colorado, that are all under second-year head coaches. And... I don't know if anybody could have predicted that in terms of where those teams sat in the standings nearing the midpoint, that it would go in order Sac State, Eastern Washington, Portland State, then Montana, then Northern Colorado. I think you probably would have had it completely inverse to that. Uh, the Lady Grizz were the preseason number two team in the league. And uh, instead, though, it's Sac State that's in first place. So I'm excited for this game tonight because I just want to see how Mark Campbell has revamped and uh, sort of redone this roster here uh, at Sacramento State. Last year in his first season, Sac State was okay. Uh, they they placed seventh uh, in, in the league, but they lost the 7-10 game in the Big Sky Tournament in Boise. They had the Big Sky's MVP in Liana Tillman, and they also had an all-league player in Isnel Natabo. Tillman graduated, Natabo is back she is one of the feature stars that you ha- you should have your eye on tonight. Uh, you won't be able to miss her. She is uh, six foot five and certainly the most physically imposing player in the league in Big Sky Women's Hoops. But they also uh, have added uh, a great player as well um, to the Arsenal, who has been uh, already. The four-time Big Sky Conference Player of the Week, that's Kalasia Dean. And Kalasia Dean is a transfer from Oakland University. She was a combo guard at Oakland, but they've been playing her on the ball at Sac State. And her usage numbers are through the roof, but so are her uh, percentages, and so are her scoring numbers. Uh, She has been just absolutely filling it up uh, across the uh, the board, not just scoring. She's also one of the league leaders in assists. And honestly, if the season was to end today, I think you'd probably say that Kalisha Dean was the uh, MVP of the Big Sky Conference. So excited to watch her as well. The other interesting fold to this game uh, comes from the head coaches. Mark Campbell, who's the head coach at Sac State, he was one of the finalists for the Lady Grizz job here uh, in Missoula. Brian Holsinger, who is a longtime rival of Mark Campbell's, is the guy who got the Lady Grizz job. They have had very similar career paths. Brian Holsinger was on June Doherty's staff at Washington State while uh, Mark Campbell was at Scott, on Scott Ruck's staff at Oregon State. Then when Campbell went from Oregon State to Oregon, Holsinger replaced him at Oregon State. And so then they went, basically they were sort of peer assistance there uh, in the state of Oregon with Campbell with the Ducks and Holsinger with the Beavers. So they've recruited against each other a lot. They've coached against each other a lot, almost exclusively in the Pac-12. And uh, now they play against each other uh, tonight. So there's also just the, the analysis part of, you know, and this is, a, this is an unfair what if because we won't really know the full breadth of the sample size or the full breadth of evaluating these two programs. For, for a little while more. But there's also just going to always be sort of the what if, if Montana would have hired Mark Campbell instead of Brian Holsinger. And I, I think it's much too early to say that. I mean, Sac State's off to a great start, but it's still only seven league games. I mean, you could totally not uh, thrive the rest of the way. They also have their hardest uh, conference road trip thus far, at least, playing in Dahlberg Arena tonight and playing at Montana State on Saturday so uh, certainly some intrigue there as well. But I'll have my eyes on, first and foremost, those two all-conference caliber players in 
Clarissa Dean and, and Isnell Nadabo for Sac State. Also, my eye on the coaching battle between Mark Campbell and Brian Holsinger. Also, my eye on the way the Lady Grizz bring it tonight or lack thereof because they they, they gotta they gotta bring it tonight. Just given the status of their season, they are four and four in conference play. But they uh, have lost five home games so far this season. They are only two and five in Division I home games thus far. And they're coming off of two straight home losses, one to Eastern Washington that was an eye-opener, one to Montana State that was sort of expected. But the fact that you can even say that, that there's a quote-unquote sort of expected loss at Dahlberg Arena for the Lady Grizz, it also just shows you the struggles that they've had uh, on their home court. The Garden City Spotlight highlighting the matchup tonight between first place Sac State and the Montana Lady Grizz here in Missoula. It's presented by First National Pawn and Liberty Safes. First National Pawn, from musical instruments to hunting and camping supplies, even snowblowers, you never know what you might find at First National Pawn for a great price. Liberty Safes has the highest quality and reliability there is. There's nothing like owning a Liberty Safe. You can visit LibertySafesOfMissoula.com or you can go see their showroom at First National Pond on Reserve Street or uh, in East Missoula. Andrew, we've talked about it a lot this week with um, coming off of Montana's loss to Montana State in Missoula last Saturday. And uh, we had a, a full hour of Big Sky Conference women's hoops talk yesterday with our great friend Crystal Redpath around the Big Sky women's hoops. Crystal will return this next Wednesday. Uh, for our latest edition of that. So look forward to having her in person. But, Andrew, in your mind, we'll get to Sac State in a minute, but in your mind, what are the missing ingredients right now for the Lady Grizz? What have been the things that uh, have sort of impacted, particularly uh, their perplexing struggles at home? Because even though, you know, the farther we get away from the Robin Selvig era ending, the the more that becomes sort of a distant memory but the one thing that's been tried and true for the Lady Grizz is that they've been awesome at home no matter what. During the duration of their program's history, they've been awesome at home. This year, thus far, they have not been awesome at home. Coulter, I wonder if it has to do with the history, right? Interesting. I was actually thinking about this. I was actually thinking, is this monster of the insane home court advantage in Missoula actually becoming detrimental to the team? Like, do they play tighter at home now? I don't know the answer to that, but it's either. something that I've thought about too, right? Because as for as far as the Robin Selvig era is receding in in time, further back in time, it's getting further and further away. I'm not sure how much it's it's fading and receding in people's memories and in people's conceptions of the program, particularly the people who are in the program. I mean, we've talked with Brian Holsinger after games. He's mentioning, you know, that's not the way Robin's teams did it, or that is the way Robin's teams sure. did it. Once or twice after every game, right? It's always talked about. They're not the ones who are putting it in the rear view, and maybe they should be. Brad Holsinger said that this Lady Grizz team, he's told us on the record, I can't remember after what game it was. It was after one of their wins, though, I believe. Maybe it was a preview leading up to the CAC game. I can't remember. Regardless, he said on this show, uh, you know, in, in an interview we did for this show, that one of the... Uh, themes of the year for this Lady Grizz team was legacy, that they wanted to talk about the legacy of Lady Grizz basketball and they wanted to uphold the legacy of Lady Grizz basketball. But I do, I, I find it very striking and I'm glad you noticed it as well. Coach Holsinger has gone out of his way to mention Robin Selvig all the time. Yeah, and this is not even from questions by us that are asked about him. Like the other day, he just in passing was like, yeah, I want to win games defensively. In fact, that's how Robin Selvig's teams won games. Like, he says it all the time. It's very intentional. Yeah, and it's something that's around the program. It's always going to be around the program. Sure. Heck, we're having events. Is it this weekend to re- officially rename the court Robin uh, I think Selvig it's court? Uh, it's actually a couple weeks from now. I think it's February 10th, At I believe, is what it is. some point this season. Like it's Friday of Super Bowl weekend, so a couple Fridays from now. But either way, it, it, within the next couple weeks. So that's always a, a, something that's hanging around the program. But here's the thing, Coulter. It's a hard thing to carry forward, and it's the kind of thing that is always going to seep into your minds when you make that big a deal out of it. And here's the other thing, Coulter. None of these girls have any connection to those teams, right? That's right. How many girls in this team grew up in Montana watching Robin Selvig's 
Lady Grizz. How many girls? Well, that's right. I mean, their their trio is supposed to be who their best players. Carmen G. Feller is from Colfax, Washington. Gina Markson's from outside Seattle. And Sammy Fatkins from outside Seattle. So they're not even they're, they're not there's not like any lineage of that that they were like passed down. Even if it was, I mean, I'm even trying to think of the Montana girls on their team that would even really have any direct connection or correlation to Robin Selvig. It's a great point. Right. So you can't be like, well, we want to win like Robin Selvig's teams, and then have the team pick up what that means. You also have to show them what it means. Sure. Drive it into their heads every day that that's what that means. And then they're also thinking, well, heck, we're supposed to win up to the, live up to these teams that were winning the conference every year that never lost at home. How does that not come into your head when things are going badly for you, when the other team is on a run at Dahlberg? And then there's also the, this is what's so interesting about it, because Lady Grizz, just in its essence, what Robin Silvig was able to create and maintain is phenomenal. And if you want to learn more about the history of it, Go to Dahlberg Arena tomorrow night and watch The House That Rob Built. It's at 7 o'clock. It's a free showing of a great documentary. But one of the coolest parts about it is the Lady Grizz family. And Krista Redpath talks about that, how generations of Lady Grizz have this, like, sisterhood. And they're all bonded together. And, like, the tie that binds is Coach Selvig as the centerpiece of all of that. But I also think that adds pressure to it as well, right? I mean, we have a whole bunch of loyal listeners that have come to this show because of Krista's presence on this show and because of uh, the, 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 the talk of Lady Grizz basketball. But, I mean, they're, they're all, there's so much that it goes into that, but they're all involved with it. But you have to wonder then, too, if that's even another element of it, too, right? Like, you have this collective group of all these people that did it this certain way and they had all this success. And now they're also saying, well, what's amiss with Lady Grizz basketball? Why are we losing at home? All these different things. Right, and you have the negative pressure from that uh, commentary coming in, but you don't have that sisterhood anymore, right? You don't have what made that important and what va- and valuable. You don't have that tie that binds somewhere along the way here. And I think, uh, you know, smartly in a lot of senses, because nobody else was ever going to be the next Robin Selvig. So at some point you have to divorce yourself from that image a little bit, but you don't have any of the the benefits that came with that sisterhood, uh, that tie that binds that you're talking about. Garden City Spotlight presented by Missoula Electric Co-op. Lady Grizz at home tonight against Sac State. We'll talk a little bit more about this in hour number two, but we got to get out. Carolyn, the chicken doesn't know sports coming up. Garden City Spotlight presented by Missoula Electric Co-op, proudly serving safe, affordable, and reliable energy to their members since 1936. Carolyn, chicken doesn't know sports. Next, keep it right here. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. I am here with Catherine Delans of the Advocates. If you've been listening to ESPN Radio, you're familiar and you know If you've been in an accident, the advocates can surely help you. There's a lot of people out there that don't slow down for road conditions that are driving recklessly or carelessly, and we want to protect the people that have been injured because of those driver's actions. You deserve an advocate. The advocates will deal with the insurance company and defer medical bills, so all you need to do is rest and get better. The advocates will handle the overwhelming legal stress of your accident because you didn't deserve to be in an accident. Chat directly with a local attorney online at MontanaAdvocates.com.